T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Welcome in to the Nightcap. What's up? Joe DiBiase here on WGR. 7 to 9 on weekdays. Especially weekdays now that the Sabres are no longer playing. Until November. Or October, I should say. Still no coach. Waiting on that. We finally got some reporting last night. That's happening. Talk a lot about that tonight. 803-0550 is the phone number. 555-50 is the text line. At Sneaky Joe WGR. If you want to get us on uh, on Twitter. Or you can do it at the station account too if you want. At WGR550. Um, we got Hurricanes and Islanders about to get underway in the NHL playoffs. Keep you updated on that. NHL playoff scoring updates brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. And, uh, yeah, Dave Tippett. So Dave Tippett's on the radar now, huh? You got a new horse in the race, a race that really hasn't been run until this week. We didn't really have candidates. But now maybe you can start to narrow it down a little bit. I, I think it's going to be one of four guys, and I think... Three of the four are conceivably, like, you could argue they're good hires, if not great, if not incredible. I mean, start with Tippett. I'm falling for the idea a little bit, as much as you can, for it being a recycled coach, um, a veteran coach, a 57-year-old coach who was with the Coyotes for a really long time. But I do think there's something to be said for how long he was with the Coyotes, how long he was with the Stars. And this point got brought up a little bit earlier in the station that he's a coach that, yeah, he's a retread, but it's not like he's Ken Hitchcock or John Tortorella or, you know, one of these guys that's just all over the place. Like Ken Hitchcock's coach for like eight teams, something crazy like that. And, you know, Tippett's been around a while, but he's only coached two teams and he hasn't been around too, too long. About 15 years. It's pretty long. But it's not Jacques Martin who's been coaching since the 80s. So I'm starting to I'm starting to like, like the idea a little bit. I think if they are going to go with a veteran coach, uh, that's my top guy right now. 803-0550 is the phone number. I want to know what your top guy is on this uh, coach watch. Because I think you can argue there are three guys that all you know have cases to be their coach. And I would include Tippett in that. I would still prefer to see them go Sheldon Keefe. I would still prefer to see them go Ricard Gronberg. But I'm not going to be upset if they hire Dave Tippett. From what I've heard about him, even on this station today, to what he was and his reputation was with the Coyotes, 
You look at his record, and the last couple years were not good there, but it was Arizona. Like, what is the guy supposed to do? Because the other thing about coaching in the NHL, you can really only make your team so good, right, without talent. Barry Trotz getting a lot of credit right now for pushing the Islanders from having John Tavares and missing the playoffs all the time to not having John Tavares and making the second round of the playoffs. But would he really be there if he didn't have really good young talent like Matthew Barzell and Wallstrom and Anders Lee and Brock Nelson? Like, There's talent on that team that he's, he's making more out of it than what it is, but it's got to be there in the first place. And really what the Sabres need to find in their next coach is that guy. Who's the coach that can take the talent you have and make something more of it. Now, I think we all thought Phil Housley was going to do that. I I did. I thought when Phil Housley was coming here right away from Nashville, I liked the hire because I liked the style of player that he was, and I thought that's what the Sabres needed in their current lineup. So, hey, this guy knows how to do it. This guy knows how to get more out of offensive defensemen. Look what he did in Nashville. He turned Roman Yossi, maybe helped turn Roman Yossi, from a you know solid second-pair defenseman to... One of the analytical darlings of the league and a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Never really a Norris winner, but Roman Yossi, and you look at his zone entries, you look at his passes through the neutral zone, like he's about as good as it gets as a modern day defenseman. And he turned into that. He wasn't that right away. He wasn't drafted to be that. There's one example of where Phil Housley came from, of something I was looking for here on the Sabres. And there are more. Matthias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis. I don't really think they would have got credit for P.K. Subban, but he was there. Like, there were stud defensemen all over that Predators roster. And you would have had to give him some credit for it. He was the guy who coached the defensemen. So that's what I th- you thought we were getting, right? He's going to make Zach Bogosian from a, you know, physical... He's not quite a physical freak, but he's got all the physical tools you would want in a defenseman. Just can't seem to put it together. Housley's going to be the guy to come in and show him the ways and get him to be a top four defenseman in the NHL. Did not happen. Um, he was going to show Rasmus Ristolainen kind of along the same light. All the physical tools you want, but you're left wanting. He's going to be the one to take him over the top. Didn't happen. And there's really no example of a defenseman that under Phil Housley turned into something great. And... That's really what you want out of the next coach. You want a guy who's going to get more out of your players. And is Tippett that? Like, that's the only question I have about him because he's a guy that's been around the block. There's not a lot of unknown there. But there is a bit. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, all right, you look at some of those Coyotes teams. I He's done it. He didn't do it all the time. But he definitely had some seasons where he got more out of that Coyotes roster than they were giving him. They made the conference finals in his first year. Who was their best player? Mike Smith and Nett? Shane Doan? They're okay. Shane Doan was a good player, but we're not talking about elite players that he ever had in Arizona. And adaptable. That was the word that was mentioned earlier today uh, by uh, Luke Lipinski, who covered the Coyotes. Adaptable. And I don't know. Like, here's Lipinski on, on, uh, on Dave Tippett. 
I respect him as one of the better coaches around the league. I know he's in the league right now. When he was here in Arizona and even what he did with Dallas, he's so good at adapting to the players he has and making the best of, of the situation he's in. If you look at how he first arrived in Arizona, the team is switching. They're in bankruptcy. They're switching. The NHL is taking over. In the first three years he's here, he takes him to the playoffs. All three years, the third year, he takes him to the Western Conference Finals. So I have a lot of respect for what he can do. I like the sound of that. I mean, I'm not in love with the idea, but I like the idea. And one thing that I think maybe you could... There's a the bit of the unknown that I mentioned before that I think you still have in him, is what would he do with elite players? Because he really has never had that opportunity. He didn't have that in Dallas, and he did not have that in Arizona. I mean, the closest he would have had in Arizona is probably Ekman Larson on defense, and he's like an all-star, but I wouldn't call him elite. Like He's not a top 10 defenseman in the league. Um, Max Domi at forward, like again, really good player, but we're not talking elite here. He never had a Darlene, he never had an Eichel. So, to me, if he was a guy that once in a while with the Coyotes was getting more out of his roster than what really maybe their talent level was, and I'm specifically thinking about those first couple years there, 90 points, first year they go to the conference finals, um, I think they lose to Chicago, in five. Yeah, they lost to Chicago in five in 20... Actually, no, that was his third season. He made the playoffs his first three years with the Coyotes, which is a foreign concept to them now. And then that third year, uh, they won their division. They finished with 97 points, and they went to the conference finals, lost in five games to the, to the Blackhawks. Um, the, the first part of his career like, is nice. It's really nice. His entire Dallas career is pretty good. 111 points, 97 points, 112, 107, 97, 83, got him fired. I mean, that's pretty rough. You make the playoffs five years in a row, and you're the Dallas Stars. I mean, you're getting fired? Including 2008, where they made the conference finals there too. Um, so he's almost like Lindy in terms of his resume. Like he's making the playoffs about 50% of the time. He's made the conference finals twice. No Stanley Cups. Like he almost reminds me a bit of Lindy in that in that respect. He also reminds me of Lindy in the respect that he's being given credit as being an adaptable coach. And I've always said that I thought Lindy Ruff was that. Um, then he goes to the Coyotes, 107 points in Arizona. Like that's really good for that team. 99, 97. I wonder if those might be the three best years in that franchise's history. If they're not, they're definitely up there. And then the tank, or then 51 points, but that's a half season. That's 48. So that's 51 points in 48 games. That's all right. 89 points. All right. 56. That's the tank year. Then 78, and then 70, and then fired by the Coyotes. So three really bad seasons, including one historically bad season. It would have really been historic if the Sabres didn't exist that year. And then you've got a bunch of really good years and a couple of great years. So like I said, this is not a whale, this is not Quenville, this isn't what Babcock was a couple years back. I want to get to him in a second, because Friedman had some real interesting stuff on the Maple Leafs that makes me really want to go after Sheldon Keith. But all in all, Tippett, I would say good candidate, not a great candidate. That's, I think, where I'm landing on him uh, at the moment, which would even maybe be a, a sliver above what I thought of uh, the Todd McClellan idea. So that's where I'm at. 8030550 is the phone number. Who's your favorite idea for Sabres coach? Three nominees for you, and you could also throw anyone else's hat in the ring if you want, but the top three nominees that I would say at this point, 
You've got Dave Tibbet, we've talked about a lot here. Sheldon Keefe with the Marlies and Ricard Gronberg, the Swedish coach. I, I don't want to include Jacques Martin in this conversation just by the mere fact that I think pretty much everyone's in agreement on what he is as an idea. I haven't ran into anyone yet that likes that as an idea, so I'm not even sure it's worth talking about at this point. 8030550 is the phone number. Jonathan and Alden, you're first up on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, Joe. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. Okay, secondly, I want to say um, I think Keith is my favorite because I, I'm hoping he could be the next Tortorella and he could be the next he could be the next AHL coach that can transfer that success to the NHL. But I'd be fine with either Gromberg or Tippett. But I, I, my Martin's the one I'm really worried about to hire. But the more time that passes, the less I'm worried about them hiring Martin. Because with Gromberg, the waiting for the World Hockey Championship to end with um, Keith, the waiting for the AHL um, the playoffs to end. So, I tell, do you think it's fair to say if they wanted Jacques Martin, they would have hired him by now? Well, Dave Tippett's for the um, Coyotes. Do you think they would have hired Tippett soon? My thought on that is yes. I think if if Jacques Martin was their number one candidate, I think they absolutely would have hired him by now. So I don't disagree with you there. But I don't also don't think it's impossible he becomes this team's coach because that might be their fallback option. It might be. If Tippett wants to coach Seattle. He's an advisor there right now. I, I think a lot of people in hockey just expected he was going to be end up being the first coach for Seattle. And maybe that's not the case now that he's interviewing with the Sabres. But maybe if he wants to do that and you can't get him and Gronberg, for whatever reason, that doesn't work out. Maybe he's not even a real serious candidate for Bottrell. And if Sheldon Keefe doesn't want to leave the Leafs or the Leafs don't want to part with Sheldon Keefe or even give permission, or maybe the Leafs would fire Mac Mike Babcock to keep Sheldon Keefe. That idea is out there by Friedman. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, then maybe like Martin's their their fallback option, but it's just, man, you got to have a better fallback option than that. So, but I agree with you. I think if he was like a real top of the list candidate for them, I think he would have been hired because there's no reason why he wouldn't have been at this point. Penguins got eliminated two weeks ago. Let's go to Ralph in Newark. You're next on the nightcap. What's up, man? How's it going tonight, Joey? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So, hey, I uh, wanted to switch topics a little bit here and, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, uh, maybe the Kentucky Derby a little bit. And, uh, you know, I like win-win-win at 15-1. to And, okay. uh, you know, I've uh, been following him for a while. But uh, i got to tell you, I also like this horse, uh, Pai Omai. You know, he's a... Great horse from uh, my New Jersey area, and uh, I think he's going to uh, mop up at the Kentucky Derby. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Thanks for the call, man. Let's go to Craig in Rochester. Craig, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Oh, no. We lost Craig. That might have been my fault. I think I hit the wrong button. Um, Yeah, the horse thing was weird today with the Kentucky Derby. Breathing issues. The favorite's now out. Omaha Beach. Um, So there's that. Anyways, that, that Mike Babcock thing I wanted to mention. So... They might be able to throw the Maple Leafs in turmoil by simply requesting to talk to Sheldon Keefe. And if you can do that, you do it. Because the one thing Elliot Friedman had in his 31 Thoughts article from yesterday was that if Sabres or another team wanted to talk to Keefe or wanted to make Keefe their head coach, that the Leafs would consider... Firing Mike Babcock because their GM Kyle Dubas has a long history with Sheldon Keefe and he didn't hire Mike Babcock 
and he maybe has differences with Mike Babcock. And Mike Babcock's lost a bunch, I think five first-round series in a row, three of which with the Leafs. So there'd be reason to do it from a performance basis even, try to raise expectations. So to me, like if you can set that in motion as the Sabres just by requesting him, and then guess what? Maybe there's a chance that you actually get to hire him, which would be awesome. That's the other thing uh, that's interesting because the the Sabres have been rumored to maybe not want to go with a first-time coach, but maybe Keith could test that, and they should go for it. They should absolutely go for it. Um, he's an analytical mind. He's young, and if you can throw the Leafs into turmoil a little bit, like they're going to have a rough offseason if you do that. They were already going to have a tough offseason. They're going to have some decisions to make. They are out of cap space. Toronto's got like $5 million in cap space as it stands right now, and they need to sign Mitch Marner and Kasperi Kapanen. And they have like four defensemen under contract. Good luck with that. There's already going to be offer sheet threats maybe. Maybe the Islanders go for that. Um, I hope they do. Somebody. Even the Sabres. Take a shot at that. Give Willie, give uh, give Marner $11 million to make the Leafs make a decision. And you could do the same thing with their coach. If you can get an interview request in for Sheldon Keefe and then wheels start turning in that Leafs front office where Dubas and Shanahan maybe, they have a meeting like, listen, we can't lose them. And we can't lose them to Buffalo. Because you know Kyle Dubas does not want to be in the same division as his favorite coach, which by all accounts is Sheldon Keefe. So... That, I would love to see that. Um, that'd be such an interesting stop in Toronto for Babcock too, right? I mean, he used the Sabres for leverage to get more money out of the Leafs. He was the number one coach candidate at the time. They finished last in the league his first season. They make the playoffs three times in a row after that. Seemingly super good offensive teams that just can't go anywhere in the playoffs, mainly because of the NHL format, and they get kind of a screwy matchup every year. Like this year, they had to play Boston. But... They can't beat those teams. So I don't know. Tippett, Gromberg, Keefe. That's the poll right now. At Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter. Early results. Ricard Gromberg, the favorite, 48%. Sheldon Keefe, 30%. Dave Tippett, 18%. Other at 4 It's about where I would have predicted it to go. Although I thought I think Keefe would have been a more popular idea among people. But apparently not. So far it's Gromberg. We'll see where that ends up. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have scored. It is one to nothing over the Islanders. This is a big game three. Carolina going up three nothing would basically mean the end for the Islanders. Uh, it'd be tough to see them winning four in a row. Carolina is so interesting this year because they don't have star players, but they've been such a good possessional te- possession team for years and years, and they never had the goaltending. Even this year, they don't really have great goaltending. They have okay goaltending. Peter Mrazek and Curtis McElhaney, who are just backups in the league. And they're split in time. McElhaney's starting tonight for the first time in the playoffs. And, or maybe second time? He's Maybe maybe they've been rotating. I, I'm actually not sure on that. But, I'm still, I'm still rooting against them. Always will. Columbus is going to be my favorite team throughout this playoffs. Because they're playing Boston right now, and I hate Boston. And if they win that series, then they're probably going to get Carolina, and I hate Carolina. And maybe after that, maybe you get Dallas. 
Maybe you get Ryan O'Reilly in the Blues. Like, there's going to be reason maybe to root for Columbus all the way here. Plus, you know, Cam Atkinson, all that. Got to love the man. Um, we'll continue to go talk about the Sabres coach search, play back some audio on that when we come back. 803 is the phone number if you want to get your thoughts in on that or vote on our Twitter poll at SneakyJoeWGR. Who should be the Sabres coach? Sheldon Keefe, Ricard Gronberg, Dave Tibbet, or other? And then other, you leave your response, probably. You don't have to. If it's Ted Nolan, don't bother. We've had a couple of those guys in the past few weeks. Weeks? This is lasting. Sabres Coach Search brought to you by Straight Up Wines and Liquors. Go straight up Elmwood to to Washington Kenmore for saving selection and service. We'll talk some NFL draft later as well. Kind of recap. Uh, Quarterback-wise. I did a little of this last night. And looking at a lot of the Bills' opponents this year, they play a ton of inexperienced quarterbacks. And I want to touch on that a little bit uh, probably later on in the show. So nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Not at all. JD was taking... A few punches in front of the net from a couple guys, so just kind of a reaction to that. It is what it is. You know, I'm not overly concerned about what's said in the media and what fans say and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was unnecessary play, but, you know, it is what it is. Games go on, and, and uh, we're about the next one here. Oh, Brad Marchand. Back at it. He's not licking people in the face anymore. But he is rabbit punching a defenseless player on his knees in the back of the head. So, yeah. This dude just keeps going. No one's going to do anything about it. I I don't get it with the NHL and concussions. It's so... It's just so ignorant, the stance they take on it. And it really shows... Like, the league's stance on that influences suspensions and fines and all of that like somehow I I get fighting's part of the game I get it but at some level there's a hypocrisy because you want to suspend guys for head hits and if a guy gets elbowed in the face or in the head that's a penalty and that's maybe suspendable because you're trying to prevent concussions you're trying to prevent head injuries but yet a fist to the head is not considered a headshot Like, just on a basic logic stance or view, that's dumb. Now, I get it. Like, I'm not sitting here saying they should ban fighting. I'm definitely not in that camp. But, like, they are so hypocritical on all this stuff. Brad Marchand last night, I mean, you punch someone in the back of the head. And it's not like it was just a tap. Like, it was a punch. Harrington, like, was on his knees. And I'm sure he was just thrown off balance, but, like, he almost goes down. Like, there was enough force behind that that it made him lean super far forward after he gets hit. So, you got to do something about that. The fines are not nearly enough. I mean, you're finding guys, like, a quarter of what their game check is. Like, the comparison for what their fines are, like, to a normal guy would be, like, 20 bucks. It's not even what a speeding ticket is. Or a parking ticket. Like, these guys, Nothing. It's not even a slap on the hand. It's nothing. And this was an easy one. The guy's got a prior history. 
The league's letting him do it. Like, this is what they want. They apparently want it. Because players like Brad Marchand that want to do dirty stuff like that all the time are going to get away with it because they never get suspended for it. They never get suspended for it. Slewfoots, this guy's done. He's been suspended many times before. He could have been suspended twice as many times. So, whatever. They're just going to let him go. It's going to keep happening. I guarantee you the playoffs keep going. The more this guy plays in the playoffs, there'll be another incident like it. Because the guy can't go... He can't go a playoff series without something happening. Talked a lot about the Sabres coach search in the first segment. Dave Tippett is now on the radar. Uh, Elliot Friedman. An interesting thought about Rasmus Ristolainen. And... The fact that, not the fact, the report that Bottrell is asking coach candidates about Ristolainen. Two schools of thought on that. It either could mean he's just trying to get, you know, a feel from around the league and what people think of this guy. Maybe, maybe even it would give him a good sense of value for how much he should be asking for him in a trade. That could be the case. Or he could very well be asking around because he wants to commit to this guy and he wants to give this guy another chance to be a top four defenseman in the NHL for the Sabres. He doesn't have to be your number one defenseman. Darlene is here. So maybe you want to give him another shot to try to be a number two or a number three. Because he's definitely got that physical ability to do it. He just has not been able to put it together, especially in the past couple of years. Um, I would, I, I like that idea. I like the idea of bringing him back for another season. He's under contract. It's not that expensive. You know you're getting 40 points out of him, bar minimum. And, you know, this might be their first real opportunity to not decrease his minutes because it's easy to say you want to decrease Ristolainen's minutes, and a lot of coaches here have gotten crap for not doing it. But what were you supposed to do? Because you decrease decrease Ristolainen's minutes, and you're giving them to either Jake McCabe or you're giving them to Zach Bogosian, or you were giving them to Nathan Beaulieu, or Cody Franzen, or Josh Georges, whoever the hell was here. There was not a guy here worth the minutes that you would have been taking away from Ristolainen. And now that you might actually finally have an opportunity, like a real opportunity, to decrease his minutes, make him a a 20-minute-a-night guy instead of a a 25-minute-a-night guy, that's when we're going to give up on him? That's when we're going to trade him? If you're telling me you're getting Braden Point back or Ryan Nugent Hopkins or some great second-line player that's going to give you 40, 50, 60 points a year, by all means, go ahead and do it. Sure. If you're using him as a tool to fix one of the biggest needs on your team, that's a different story. But if you're trading him to trade him, if you're trading him like you did with O'Reilly and you're getting dime, or you're getting you know, quarters on the dollar, if you're getting pieces back, scraps, Picks? Prospects? No. That is not where they should be going with that guy. Because that doesn't make them better. At all. Because all you're going to end up doing there is trading Ristolainen, and guess what? We're going to get mad at someone else that's going to be playing his minutes and probably doing a worse job at it. You think Zach Bogosian would do as good a job in Ristolainen's minutes as he has? You think McCabe would? I like McCabe. Part of the reason we all like McCabe is because he only plays 18 minutes a night. And he doesn't play against the other team's top line. That's part of the reason we like him. What do you think we would think about Ristolainen if he was playing in that role? If for his entire career, he played 18 minutes a night. Which hasn't really been a possibility because he's been their best defenseman. Which hasn't been great, but he's been their best defenseman. And 
if they had been set up in a spot where he'd been playing 18 to 20 minutes a night, you think anyone would think the same way about him? You think his analytics would be the same? I think it's a terrible idea to trade him unless you're getting a second-line player back, at least. And I'm glad, I'm, I was happy when I saw that report. It's not a popular take right now to defend Ristolainen, but I was happy when I saw that report that Jason Bottrell is doing his due diligence and he's, like, that's one thing I'd be looking for in a coach, for sure. Because what was the point I was, or the, what, was, what were we talking about in the first segment? About making players better. And that we wanted to see Phil Housley do that with a lot of the defensemen, and it didn't happen. And that Dave Tippett maybe did that once upon a time in Arizona. And you would want that to be recreated here. Barry Trotz doing it with the Islanders now. Taking a roster that's probably not playoff caliber and getting them to the second round because of his coaching. And because he's making players better than maybe they actually are. Wouldn't you want to find out or try to find out if there's a coach out there that could do that sort of thing? And who better to use as an example than Ristolainen? If you can find a coach that's going to make him a top pair defenseman, like a real top pair defenseman, like performance-wise, that's that's who you should be looking for. That's what your coach search should be. And I was really happy when I saw that report. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. I'm a, not a fan of trading him. Um, so that's where I'm at. My thought would be the best guy to do that would still be Gronberg or Keefe, which is why they're my two favorite ideas. All right, let's go to Luke Lipinski, Arizona sports radio host for the Coyotes. He also does uh, overtime for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, does a lot of work for uh, Arizona sports, and he had an in-depth look at what Dave Tippett is as a coach, and it's kind of hard to get a read on what these coaches are because a lot of them feel like the same thing, right? Systems, veteran, their resumes are all very similar, they're all in their 50s. It's hard to differentiate. So here's a little bit of that. Luke Lipinski, uh, some, some some specifics on what Dave Tippett is as a coach on um, the show in the Bulldog earlier today. Joining us via the West Her Hotline, Luke Lipinski, radio host for the Arizona Coyotes. Also has a podcast called The Natural Hat Trick. You can find him on Twitter at Luke Lipinski, L-A-P-I-N-S-K-I. Luke, Mike and Chris here. Thanks for joining us. Oh, for sure. So Dave Tippett, is, his name is making the rounds here. He's reportedly been interviewed for the Sabres job, and his last NHL coaching job was with Arizona. He'd been there for years. I didn't realize until today, by the way, that he was apparently hired by the Seattle Expansion mm-hmm. uh, Organization as an advisor. Luke, you are around Tippett. What do you think of him, and what do you know about him as a, as a candidate here or just like his, his uh, appetite for getting back into coaching, perhaps? Well, I tell you, I mean, I, I really, I respect him as one of the better coaches around the league. I know he's not in the league right now, but I mean, when he, when he was here in Arizona and even what he did with Dallas, um, I, I just, he, he's so good at sort of adapting to the players he has and making the best of, of the situation he's in. And when he was here, I mean, I know that the last few years he was here, the team didn't make the playoffs. They were also, you know, I mean, they were one of the teams in the Connor McDavid sweepstakes towards the end there. Mm-hmm. So it, they didn't have a ton of pieces but when he first got here I mean if you look at how he first arrived in Arizona he arrives just before training camp what was that 2009 for the 9-10 right. season the, 
the team is switching. They're in bankruptcy. They're switching. I mean, the NHL is taking over. In the first three years he's here, he takes him to the playoffs. All three years, the third year, he takes him to the uh, the Western Conference Finals. So I have a lot of respect for what he can do. Yeah, he's had a lot of success, and I think you know most guys. I don't say most guys. A lot of guys that are recycled candidates have had a lot of jobs, and in this case, you've got a guy who was six years in Dallas and eight years in Arizona, which is, I think, indicative of someone who must do a reasonably good job at least when he first gets there, long enough to extend that out. I mean, we're here in Buffalo. We've been churning guys out every two years. To look at a guy that's coached 14 years and only had two jobs, I think, is a, is a pretty, pretty good job by him. Yeah, and I mean, the reason, the, the reason that he's not still here is just they kind of, it was sort of a mutual parting of the ways where they were trying to, to, to go in a new direction with, with just a young team here. Not that he can't coach young players, but also I think, you know, there were some exhausting times in those eight years. I mean, never knowing really who the owner was for a while, having the league as your owner. And, and just right. there were, you know, it's just, I wouldn't read into the fact that he's not currently coaching as if he is a, a coach that, you know, that, that isn't good enough to be in the NHL. Like I said, when, when you stack up all the coaches in the NHL, I mean, I would honestly have him top 10 for sure, maybe even top five if he's in the right situation. And so that's, it's just a matter of, of what pieces you give him, how he's going to end up uh, you know, putting them together. But he's, he showed a lot when he was here, and he showed a lot when he was in Dallas, too. Now, I, think he, I think I want to respect his record. We're talking with Luke Lipinski about Dave Tippett and his time with Arizona. Just curious, Luke. I know you're you know, heavily into the sport. Like, so Tippett is 57, and I'm wondering just like what the – how old is too old, I guess, so to speak, is the question I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, I'm not you're, I'm not either uh, implying that 57 is, but I do like the idea as it happens for the Sabers uh, hiring someone younger than that. And you know, and also also uh, hockey people talk about like wearing out your welcome, and that's a point really to Bulldog's question about his the length of time he served in Dallas and then in Phoenix. Do you have a, a thought on any of this and whether or not um, like 57, I guess in this case, is a, a good age or not to be uh, you know starting somewhere else? I mean, I don't think it's it's too old, depending on who the coach is. I mean, obviously, you know, I hear what you're saying. You kind of have to go person by person, though, as well. I'm kind of with you in general of, of if I'm hearing you right, that it seems like a lot of times when a team needs a new coach, they just go out and get a guy that already coached somewhere else two or three times mm-hmm. instead of maybe taking a chance on, like, an AHL coach or somebody that's earning that, that first uh, shot at it or whatever. But like I said, I think it's just sort of case by case, and it depends what your team needs. I mean, with the Sabres in particular, it's a team that, that has some talent and obviously hasn't made the playoffs. I mean, to me, I'm not saying if you hired Nick Tippett, you're going to be in the playoffs next year, but I, I do think you'll be there pretty soon. Not to say that there's not anybody else that could do that, uh, but I, I think that, you know, in general, I'm, I'm kind of with you of let's stop recycling the same guys over and over again. But with Tippett, I just I kind of don't feel the same way. And I'm not putting him on the level of Barry Trotz, who, you know, is probably going to Jack Adams is here and has won it before. But it's the sort of thing of like if if I mean it's if you went with Trotz like two years ago before he had won the cup and suddenly he became available or he had been out of the, the league for a year or two that's kind of the same personality I, I think that you get with Tippett. Yeah, you you kind of um, kind of alluded to this at the outset here talking about him being adaptable. I'm wondering like what what style of teams he was most known for is it like Trotz right now is shut it down everybody's back limit chances like that's that's been the Islanders model and they've ridden it here to the second round of the playoffs they're in pretty tough now on the road down 2-0 but still like Trotz has a rep for a certain style um if you if you can do it what what is Tippett known for 
Well, I mean, certainly when he was here, he was known for that sort of let's win with goaltending and defense and let's get the forwards to buy in defensively, whether they have been in the league for 10 years and they're Shane Doan or they, you know, at the time are Max Domi just breaking into the league or whatever. I mean, Max Domi is a real good example of, of Tippett demanding that, that even his, his young, skilled players um, are able to play the game defensively as well. So that, that's, that's a part of it. I mean, you know, Domi, there was a the year where it looked like he was ready to play in the NHL and, and typically ended up sending him back to, to London for an additional year. And, and Domi, you know, credited with that being a major part of his development on both ends of the ice. And that's not the only player he had that sort of uh, relationship with. But, you know, I, I do think if you look at what he did with Dallas, he had a lot more skill guys there and he was able to adapt that way too. So when, when he was here, they just, the Coyotes haven't had like a, you know, like a 40 goal caliber player. Or they certainly haven't had a player like Jack Eichel up front. So, I think when he was here, that was just sort of he was brought in to win right away with a team that had never won a playoff series since they got to Arizona. And so he, he just kind of took a veteran roster and got him in the playoffs, and he did it with defense and goaltending. Hey, Luke, one more. So on the playoffs this year, do you happen to have a storyline that you like the most? We, we've talked about here how, I mean, of course, the Sabres are not in it, neither are the Coyotes. The Lightning were going for some, you know, some history and went out. All the Canadian teams are out. The defending champion is out. Vegas is out. Like there were some of the top storylines are are already have already ended. Do you have a favorite this year that's left? Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple real quick. The the, the Blue Jackets. I mean, I, I I do respect the fact that they just went all in and let's see what happens. I mean, the, the deeper they go, it's that's that's certainly something. Carolina, maybe not the most exciting series right now with the Islanders. That could still change, but that's. That's sort of remarkable what they've been able to do. I didn't see them beating Washington. But the, the one that really stands out to me is Nathan McKinnon being a Hart Trophy finalist last year. And I honestly thought he probably should have won last year. And then following it up with this year and, and potentially this being his coming out party in the playoffs where we might be talking about this guy as one of the two or three best players in the world when all is said and done in two months. That, that one to me is, is maybe the, uh, the biggest one at the moment. I like that. I like that answer. I like all these answers. Good job. All right. Uh, thank you, Luke. Nice to know you. I appreciate your time today. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. There he is, Luke Lipinski. I'm going to show up in the blog earlier. Uh, some One listener just shared a really good uh, outlook on Dave Tippett and analytics. I knew he was at that conference. Oh, I, I'm not remembering what the uh, name of the conference was off the top of my head. Seahawk or something like that. There was there was an analytical conference that Dave Tippett attended, and he's, like, into it. Um, Nick Barry, 93 on Twitter, just shared uh, a really good breakdown of uh, Tippett and his look on analytics. He's got his own system um, some good stuff in there. I'll, I'll read some of that when we come back. I'll, I'll go through it um, as we continue to kind of learn about Dave Tippett, who could end up being the Sabre coach. I think he'd have to be the favorite. If the betting lines kept changing here, he I don't even think he was in the original, those lines I put out just kind of to be funny or almost just to, as a guess earlier um, in the coaching search. I don't even think I had him on there. But I think right now he'd have to be the favorite. Right, he'd have to be. I don't. I don't even know who else. Like Keith is re- reasonable, Gronberg is reasonable, Martin is reasonable, but it's stupid. And then I guess Chris Taylor is kind of out of the race. I think Chris Taylor's out of the race. I, if they were going to do that, I think they would have done it. And Mart Martin being even in it at all, he sounds like the backup plan. And if he's the backup plan, then I don't. I I thought that's what Chris Taylor would have ended up being. So I don't think he's being. I don't think he's going to be the Sabre coach. I, I'd be really surprised if that happened at this point. If Chris Taylor ended up uh, getting promoted, um, and yeah, past that, like Lindy is not happening. 
Daryl Sutter is not happening. There's no assistant coaching right now in the NHL playoffs. Like Stu Barnes is not going to be the Sabre coach, I think. Probably. I, it's like a 3-4 horse race. We'll, we'll break that down a little bit too, as well as a look at Tippett and his look at analytics when we come back. Uh, some bills also in the second hour. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Here's Couture, shooting, scores! Logan Couture answers back! I mean, I always feel pressure. It's the playoffs, and I'm a leader on this team. I've been around for a while. I want to score. I want to produce. I want to help this team win, and we haven't gotten to uh, to where we want to go uh, in my 10 years here, and um, we're trying to get there. So uh, a lot of guys in our team are leaders, and uh, we got a great group. Logan Couture, noted Bills fan. See if he gets to uh, tailgate. We won't get to tailgate in the bus lot. We'll touch on that when we come back in hour number two. Um, so I tease Tippett Analytics going into the breaks. Dave Tippett, former Coyotes coach, is on the Sabres radar now. Uh, Jason Botcher reportedly has interviewed him, and it went very well. That according to Elliot Friedman and. A listener, I mentioned him last segment, I lost him now, but a listener sent along a article detailing Tippett's view of analytics, and I found one quote that I can't unsee. Like, I'm, I think I'm in love with the Dave Tippett idea now. He has shot up from, like, a distant third on my list for wanting him to be the Sabre coach to, he might be pushing uh, Sheldon Keefe for second. And I, oh, this one quote, let me just read it. So he comes off very bright. He's talking about Corsi and Fenwick being garbage stats and that they get labeled as analytics, but they're not really, they're kind of not useful. Um, how they're numbers, but it doesn't mean that they're useful numbers. And this guy's attending analytical conferences and he's got his own metric system his own grading system that players are looking for uh, when he puts it up on the board to see how they've done in his mind and the quote that I'm just in love with I'm going to read it here, it's two paragraphs I'm in love with this this, this, I, this guy, just from this, I might be this is from Dave Tippett, probably a couple, couple years ago I'm assuming, had to have been we had a player that was supposed to be a great shutdown defenseman he was supposedly the be-all, end-all of defensemen. But when you did a 10-game analysis of him, you found out he was defending all the time because he can't move the puck. Then we had another guy who supposedly couldn't defend a lick. Well, he was defending only 20% of the time because he's making good plays out of our own end. He may not be the strongest defender, but he's only doing it 20% of the time. So the equation works out better the other way. I ended up trading the other defenseman. End quote. From Dave Tippett. Oh, Oh, thank you. I'm so oh, so much happier right now. Because now there are three conceivable candidates that I think I would really like the idea of. Like I said, I would have been okay, just even to start today's show. I'm like, okay, I'd be okay with the Dave Tippett idea. Even more so than McClellan. But still all in on the Kiefer Gronberg. Still all in on Kiefer Gronberg. Gronberg's still my top guy. But Tippett now, like I think that's a third guy that I'd be really happy with. And I'm thinking a lot of Sabre fans would be really happy with. Uh, at least to some extent. It's not Jacques Martin. It's not Todd Richards. It's not even Chris Taylor. But like one of those three, those top guys, Tippett, Gronberg, 
um, Keith. Like now, now my list is starting to expand a little bit, and I wonder if the Sabers uh, are doing the same thing. Well, we know they're at least they've interviewed him. We'll switch to the Bills a bit in the next hour. Uh, the new tailgate policy, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. If you want to get in on that, and uh, a little bit on the draft too, or not the draft, but kind of where the Bills are and how they're set up for the 2019 season. And if you still want to get in any thoughts in on the Sabres coach search, we'll do that in the next segment. So I cap with Jody Biasi, hour number two next here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.